Today on the podcast, we have Dave Wilkinson. Dave Wilkinson is a run coach at Thames Valley Harriers, one of the top athletics clubs in the UK, where he won coach of the year in 2020. Back in the day, he trained with British Olympic champion, Linford Christie. More recently, he has represented Team GB at the Athletics European Masters Championships. Dave currently coaches a middle long distance track group with athletes from age 15 to veterans, affectionately known as Dave's Babes. So thank you for joining us on the podcast, Dave. Hi, nice to see you. Yeah, <laughs> and it sounds like you had a pretty successful time at the track this week. 39 PBs amongst the babes. Yeah. No, not amongst the group. That was amongst the races I organised, but um oh. so we had I think we had eight PBs in the group. So that's oh, not wow. a bad start. Definitely yeah. not. Definitely not. And you said you organised it as well. So there was an open meeting that we as a club organised and I was sorting out the races for the British Milers Club races. So that's, um, we just had a bunch of 800 metres and 3,000 metre races. Um, it was a lot of fun, had a good atmosphere, although we probably shouldn't yeah. say that. It's probably... <laughs> Probably not allowed at the moment, but um, socially distanced, good atmosphere at the track. It was really good. Yeah. Oh, wonderful. And so, you know, massive congratulations all around to all the athletes. Um, even if they didn't get PBs, I'm sure it was a wonderful opportunity to just race, especially considering there haven't been that many on. So. Yeah, it's the first race, first race for a lot of people. So even if it wasn't a PB, it's just good to get the first race done. Definitely, and hopefully first of many. So, yeah, let's hope so. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, so to bring back to when you first started being really involved in sport, back when you were a kid, um, did you run when you were young or what other sports did you enjoy in your childhood? I ran a little bit. I started off playing football and cricket mainly, um, and I'm – mainly cricket obsessed I would say more than athletics mm -hmm. so I love my cricket I've been to Oz several times to watch the Ashes um, of course so that's always been good fun um, started doing athletics probably when I was about 12 13 um, I guess I was the fastest kid in the school at the time joined the local athletics club um, thought I was pretty good um, soon realised that I wasn't that good. Um, <laughs> you kind of good in a small environment and then you kind of go up the levels and realise actually there's some amazing kids out there. Um, so, yeah, I kind of started doing athletics from about 12, 13 in the local club. Yeah. Right. But cricket was my passion, I guess, as a kid. I kind mm. of had county trials, wasn't quite good enough to play county cricket, but um, I was a leg spinner before before the Shane Warne era, when yeah. legs were totally unfashionable. So um, <laughs> I was underappreciated, I would say, as a, as a cricketer. Oh. You'd, you were into it before it became cool to be into yeah. cricket. So yeah. ahead of the game. <laughs> um, well, so you currently coach a middle long distance group, but what was your preferred distance when you were an athlete? So when I was really young, I used to to do hundreds and two hundreds um, at yeah. school. Two hundred was as far as I go. That was probably my best distance. Um, 
I went to uni and did absolutely nothing for five or six years. I kind of didn't play football, cricket, nothing. Um, I enjoyed myself a lot. Um, mm. Then I came back to um, London, moved to London when I was in my mid-twenties and joined Thames Valley Harriers then. Um, wanting to sprint again, realised that things had moved on and I'd got a lot slower and wasn't really up to it. So I joined the 400 metre group. So from then on, I trained for 400s really um, and loved all that. Um, it's a different kind of mindset training for 400 than for sprints, but um, we had a great, great group then and it was a lot of fun. So you've been with Thames Valley Harriers since almost the beginning, really, since you moved to London. You've still been with them all this time. 30 years, 30 years now, yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. You've seen a lot. You've seen a lot <laughs> changed, I'm sure. Yeah. yeah. So I heard from uh, someone else in the group that back in the day, there were a lot of international athletes training in your group and that you would run 5Ks in your warm-ups like before actually even doing your main set and that it was quite competitive. Is that urban myth or can you tell us about that time? Yeah, that's very true. So, I mean, at the time um, when I joined, Linford was close to his peak, I guess. Um, you know, a year or so after I joined, he was Olympic champion and the year after world champion. And because he was there, that attracted some of the best sprinters in the country wanting to train in that group. Of so at that time, the sprint group was huge. There was probably 40 or 50 sprinters in the group. Um, and we, as a quarter mile of the group, were a little bit separate from that. So we probably had 10 or 15 of us training for training for 400s. Um, and I think there was a time I was probably the only one that wasn't an international in the group. And I was nowhere near being an international. So I was hanging off the back of everyone else in most of the sessions. Um, and in the winter, yeah, every Sunday, Tuesday, we'd do a 5K warm-up. Um, <laughs> and sometimes it would get a little spicy. You'd kind of be <laughs> jogging along, chatting away, having a lot of fun, and then suddenly realise it had gone very quiet and half the guys were 100 metres up the road. And you'd kind of, oh, God, I missed it. And they're all super competitive. I mean, they were running crazy times, but we still come back and do a quality session afterwards. I mean, we'd, we'd spend a lot of time warming up much more than people do these days. And it was probably more of an excuse to chat, I think, more than anything else. Um, Not a bad but, reason. Uh, so we would, we would have plenty of time to recover before we would do the main, the main session. Um, but it was, a, yeah, it was a lot of fun, but it did get very competitive at times, yeah. <laughs> well, I guess if you're amongst so many very driven people all in one group, you know, I guess. Everyone wants to cross the line first. <laughs> yeah, that doesn't, yeah. just because it's warm-up doesn't mean you can't win. That's probably not the best mentality <laughs> to encourage. But um, as you were saying, you'd been with the Thames Alley Harriers for 30 years now. Can you tell us, you must, and you mentioned that you've seen it change a lot over the years. Can you tell us how training and coaching itself has evolved? In some ways, things haven't changed much at all. I don't think, you know, everybody's still doing the same kind of running. You need to, you need to run fast to run fast. 
Um, Multi-paced training has always been around. Mm -hmm. So I think in that sense, um, not a lot has changed. You kind of see technology coming in a little bit now, kind of starting to see everybody has these massage guns that they're using (laughs) post-session. Obviously, we never had any of that. Have you got one? I do. Birthday present. (laughs) Okay. That's good. Yeah, um, I, I borrow it for my own uses. It's great just for general massaging, not just for sports sort of um, soft tissue. It's just good for a long day after sitting a, in a chair. A good weapon when your sister annoys you. <laughs> yeah, yes. not, not my favorite use, but you know, it is. Um, so for us, it would just be a golf ball under your foot or something, or rolling on a tennis ball or something. So that you know, those kind of things have changed, and I think. There's a lot more focus on injury prevention, kind of prehab kind of stuff now that I don't think many people were doing 20, 30 years ago, really. Um, And of course, we've got all the new shoes going on now. Have you got those yet? (laughs) Well, I don't know if I deserve them (laughs) running as much, but um, yeah, I do eye them out in the shops. And they're the famous shoes that were worn when the um the what was it the marathon the sub two hour marathon and they're all wearing those what was the type of shoe was it like the vapor fly or I don't know whether it was the vapor fly or the alpha fly um yeah. one of them but they were huge one of them and pink and well, and then you've got like the illegal shoes <laughs> so yeah that technology is kind of uh insane but mm. amazing yeah so i guess um what motivated you initially to go into coaching? Um, a few things, really. I mean, part of our training group, we were we had Ron Rodden as our coach, who coached Linford to all his successes. And I guess I wanted to be a bit like him. Um, he was very inspiring. Just what he achieved was very inspiring. Um, I always recognised that I was never going to be a, a top athlete and I kind of hope that maybe I can be a decent coach. Um, I've always, even professionally, enjoyed working with very talented young people and helping them develop their skills. That's kind of gives me a real buzz. So coaching's kind of doing that as well. Um, When I kind of got to the stage where I was getting lots of injuries, there was a guy that I trained with, who wanted to have a crack at running 800s, having been running 400s. And I kind of said, yeah, well, let's let's try and do it. He adapted to the training a lot better than I did. I found it really hard. Um, so we sat down with a guy called Peter Brown, who is a bit of a Thames Valley legend. He, um, I think he was fifth in the European Championships in 1971. Um, And he kind of, when I was running, he was still going. He, he held the world masters age 40 plus world record for 800. He was a beast of a trainer. So he was the obvious person for us to sit down as to how do you train for 800? Because we didn't have a clue. Um, Mm. So we sat down with him for an hour, two or three times. He helped us out. He continues to help me out. He rings me up every now and again and checks how we're doing. And I ring him up if I'm stuck for stuff. Um, so we started out just just essentially me and Kevin 
trying out these sessions um, and seeing where it got us. Um, and we did that for four or five years, I think. Um, the group never really took off at that point. Um, Kevin had had enough. So I stopped coaching for, I don't know, almost 10 years, I guess. And then um, I wanted to get back into it. I came back to the club, just helped out with the, we've got a big endurance group at the club and I was just helping out with that group. And there was two or three in that group that um, were really 800 meter runners doing a big endurance session. And I kind of thought this, this isn't the right stuff for them. And we started the group again, picking out a couple of those. And we started off with two or three, two or three people, really, probably seven or eight years ago now. And now we've probably got 50 odd. Um, so it's, it's kind of really taken off from there. Definitely. Um, and both yeah. of you have been part of it at various times. Yes, <laughs> it is a very impressive group. And like, yeah, 30, 40, 50 people might show up on a Tuesday night and it can be difficult to coordinate, but um, you do manage it. And like, we all get particular attention. So you know, it's really amazing. <laughs> and I'm sure uh, you have 50 people that are incredibly grateful that you decided to, to come back to coaching. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, I mean, it's really difficult to, to manage such a range of, range of abilities and experience yeah, and um, that's the biggest challenge I think making sure people are doing the right kind of training for their for their age and experience and background mm. yeah because like we we warm up and cool down together but throughout the main set like athletes are pulled out for pep talks or for extra rest or to do a, a particular set for a race or a particular set for their age and ability. So we all feel really nurtured as individuals and we're aware that not all coaches are like this. <laughs> um, and it creates a really lovely atmosphere. So yeah, I think you've uh, been really successful at, at yeah, creating that atmosphere. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I guess to continue on from that, many coaches are focused on training sets and timings, but like, as we were talking about, you really do have that holistic approach and you concern yourself the outside stresses of the athletes, such as exams or work or just general fatigue. Would you agree with that assessment? It's so important. I think, you know, if you're stressed with exams, job stressful, something's going on at home, anything really, it's going to affect your training. And actually, for most people, unless it's your job, you're a full-time athlete, Training's kind of a hobby. It should be a hobby. And, you know, priorities are our education, work, family, as far as I'm concerned, and, and training's whatever you've got left after all that. So, you know, if there isn't a lot left after that, if you keep training at high intensity, you're going to break. Um, so I think a lot, of, a lot of what I try to do is when I'm watching a training session and there's dozens of people around the track, is just really seeing who's struggling, the people at the front are fine. If you're going well, I don't need to worry about you too much. And it's just kind of making sure that the people that are struggling are, are not just going to continue struggling. So you've got to pull them out, um, make sure they're doing appropriate stuff. If it's unusual to see them struggling, you want to understand why. So all that context is really important. And if you don't have that background on what's going on with someone's life, 
I don't think you can coach properly. It's um, it's really difficult. Um, it's not, it can be quite intrusive, I think, for young people that I want to know what's going on all the time. <laughs> um, and you've got to be a little bit careful with that. But the senior athletes that I coach, the ones that, you know, we have a really good relationship and they'll be messaging me pretty much every day as to what's going on. And that's the way I like it. I want to know what's going on and I want to know how we can adapt training. Um, I want them to input into training as well. I don't always get things right. So I want them to say, yeah, this isn't working for me. Can we switch things up? I don't want to be a dictator telling you, you have to do that. The more, the more input I'm getting from athletes, the better the session's going to be really. Mm, yeah. And I guess those older athletes understand the importance of trusting your coach and having that open communication just to be able to uh, improve their performance in the long run. Yeah. Communication is so important. It has to go both ways. Um, I have to say I think the one thing I find most frustrating is the lack of communication coming back from athletes sometimes and you're kind of desperately trying to help them but you don't really know what's going on and that's really difficult yeah yeah. Yeah. I mean because you have a lot of younger athletes and I feel like I've been running with the group on and off for maybe five years now and it's gotten younger and younger (laughs) every year there's like younger athletes so um I mean some coaches I've spoken to in relation to young female athletes in particular believe that the focus should shift from trying to attain personal bests but to to building strength and technique so in this way they're less likely to be injured and can potentially mature into successful athletes with longer careers so do you have uh, an opinion on that? Yeah, I mean, that's true for boys as well as girls, definitely. Mm. I mean, when you're young, you really need to focus on on doing things right more than trying to run fast. I mean, running fast is fun, which is why everybody <laughs> wants to do it. But um, you also notice in teenage years, boys and girls are so different um, in mid-teens onwards. Um and the boys have it so easy compared to the girls. It's um, it's frightening. You kind of when when people join join my group, you kind of notice. I think quite often the girls are really driven. They work really hard, um, and they've they've been pretty competitive with the boys up until that point, and they continue to work hard. And the boys are perhaps not working quite so hard, but the boys continue to improve and the girls quite often struggle. And it's just kind of natural. It's just, yeah. you know, it's really challenging for for young women in their mid to late teens. Um, so much going on um, physically and mentally. You've got to be really careful of how you develop them. I mean, so I think you're right to pick up that it's a female issue, but I mean, it's the same for boys. But I think there's just a whole lot of other challenges for girls at, at that age. Yeah, because I guess, as you're saying, everyone develops at different times. Everyone sort of goes, has their peaks and spurts. Um, having the same training schedule, even amongst a group of female teenagers, is not necessarily appropriate. Like you have to balance training, your food, your rest. And of course, as you're saying, these very determined and sort of passionate athletes, you have to look after the look out for the risk of developing overuse injuries or potentially chronic health conditions like reds 
Um, Do you want to explain what REDS is? Yeah. So for those who don't know, REDS stands for Relative Energy Deficiency in Sport. It used to be known as Female Athlete Triad, as you all know, Dave, but we are now aware that it also affects boys as well. Um, So um, can you talk about how rest and recovery is... um, how important it is in the in the um, process of building stronger bodies it's massively important and and you know you adapt when you're resting so you get stronger when you're resting and people kind of don't quite get that sometimes Mm. Um, the personality issue that you referred to earlier I think that's so important because successful athletes are all very driven very competitive and it's exactly those same kind of personality traits that quite often are associated with eating disorders as well. So you're kind of very mindful of there being quite prevalent in sport because of the kind of personality that competitive sport accept, um, accept. Yeah. So um, it's really challenging. I mean, my experience, um, I've had a few athletes that have had, had had some issues over the last few years and it's been so challenging. When, when it first arose, I knew very, very little um, and I've been so lucky. I know, I know you guys know quite a lot and have helped as well, but we mm-hmm. have two or three very experienced people in the group and actually just when these issues started to arise, um, Emily Dudgeon, as she was then, now Emily Todd appeared at the group and she's just been amazing. She's done research on eating disorders and REDS and um, guided me into reading some important stuff so that I can help support athletes. Um, And she supports athletes directly herself and we have other people in the group the group can't work, I don't think, without the senior athletes supporting the junior athletes. It's, it's the only way a group of that size can function. So mm. we're very lucky that we have some amazing senior athletes in the group that will give their time to develop um, the juniors and, and, and have knowledge around these kind of issues that are so important for developing young bodies as well. Mm. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of potential misinformation about like losing weight to run faster. Um, yeah, the ramifications of doing that at certain ages can be detrimental to your future bone health and as well as your athletic future. So it's really amazing that um, obviously there does exist the right information somewhere, but there are people in at least our group and hopefully in, in other groups in the country to, to guide the, the young athletes in the right path and direction to go with that yeah I mean and it's really important now I think it's being discussed a lot more than it was even 10-15 years ago Mm. that there is a a kind of public discussion around these issues and and I think information flows are getting much better I mean as you know I'm regularly sending stuff around our group yeah um, making sure people are informed about these things you never quite know whether it's going in or not but (laughs) I'm, I do what I can to make sure people are informed. Um, but if you're going through those issues, it's so difficult and you need so much support. And um, as a coach, I think there's only a limited amount of stuff that you can do. Mm-hmm. That actually, if you have an eating disorder, you need professional help. Um, you need a lot 
you need a lot of help. And, and I think people are very reluctant to ask for that help. So, I mean, I, I kind of really try and push people into, you know, you need, you need help and you need, you need all kinds of help if you're, if you're mm. struggling with those things. So it's not kind of just knowing about um, nutrition it's a psychological illness, so you need you need help on the mental side of things if you've got a, a um, an issue around eating, and you need you also need to understand you need an endocrinologist to understand you know your hormone levels and monitor yeah. those and be able to interpret those. So you need a you almost need a team around you to support that, and if you if you try and do that without that, it's it's phenomenally difficult and oh. even with that it's phenomenally difficult um yeah for me in the last few years that's the hardest thing I've ever had to deal with in terms of coaching it's 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 so challenging but actually when you see people starting to turn things around it's the most rewarding thing ever it's amazing um and we're starting to see that now um oh, good and it's great it's really good yeah um, but it is difficult I guess another part of that team, especially in younger athletes, are the parents. And when you're coaching young athletes, obviously the parents have a massive sort of part to play as well. Um, how can parents, I guess this is a bit of a difficult question to ask you, but um, how can you describe how can parents be supportive for these athletes? Because again, as Jazz is saying, with all this misinformation around, they may be inadvertently doing the wrong thing, even if they... Um, yeah, they just want need, the best for them, but yeah, they might be doing the wrong thing. Yeah, exactly. I mean, all parents want their kids to be successful, mm. um, and that's kind of totally understandable. Um, but you also have to educate parents, especially in the kind of sport that we do, that it is quite often a late, late development sport, um, and it's pretty common that the, the kids that are doing really well as juniors don't do much as seniors because they've potentially been pushed very hard by parents um, and they're driven themselves. Um, so you need to educate parents that actually development takes time. You've got to be patient. Um, and results at age 15 don't really matter. I, I don't really care what someone's doing at 15 I want to see an athlete that's still enjoying the sport I always used to say I want to see you running well and enjoying the sport at 25 I've changed that recently having seen lots of parents that run and I kind of tell them I want to see you running and enjoying the sport when you're 55 um, because it's a lifetime activity and being competitive and successful is great but um, enjoying it is way more important um and parents have to be a part of that mm. and parents will enjoy it if their kids enjoying it um and you 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 know you're going to run into problems if if they're they're super serious at a young age and then they're not enjoying it every kid will have injuries at some point it's never a smooth trajectory to success um so if you don't enjoy what you're doing when things get a little bit rough you're just going to drop out the sport if you're not enjoying it. And we see that a lot. And that's, that's not what, what anybody wants. I don't think. So trying to make it fun is probably the most important thing as well as learning about um, doing things technically correct. Um, and actually performance at a young age is probably third, 
third on the list of priorities, maybe not even that high, actually. Mm, yeah. Well, Maureen will be 25 next year, so... Don't we'll remind sure. me, Jess. <laughs> we'll make sure she's enjoying running by then. Yeah, well, still, till t- in, in my 55s, Jess. Yeah, exactly. yeah, you've got another 30 years to go. Yeah, exactly, you know. It's like, I have plenty of running years ahead of me, so... As we all do. Yeah. Um, so you've mentioned one of the athletes in your group, Emily, but is there an athlete racing internationally at the moment that you have your eye on um, or that you feel is a good role model for younger athletes? You have one in your club, I guess, but is there anyone else? Um, so generally, for, from, from my point of view, I love Dina Asher-Smith. I think she's amazing. I mean, this is Olympic year, hopefully... She will have success. Yeah. Um, I I think she's got a great energy. She's very positive. She clearly loves what she's doing. I like the fact that a few years back she went to uni, very strongly focused on her education. And I think her training at the time, kind of what, I mean, I don't know exactly, but you get the sense that her training at the time reflected that education was important to her. Um, and then when she graduated, she's kind of clearly re- focused much more on her athletics and getting the results. Um, and I think she has a fantastic relationship with her coach um, from what you what you pick up off the TV fundamentally. Um, mm. Oh, I'd say she's amazing. But I kind of think, given what we've said before, understanding the context of someone is so important. Um, And I don't really understand what her context is. So it's kind of difficult to know. So in terms of who inspires me, I would say within the group, Alex Mundell is just totally, totally amazing. Um, She she loves the sport. She's had some incredibly rough years. She's kept going. Her perseverance is is amazing. Um, She gives to everyone in the group. Um, I'm sure she's helped both of you guys out. Yeah, very she's keen. a dear friend of ours. Yeah. Um, and finally, in the last two or three years, athletically, things are picking up and we're starting to get results. And in terms of who I am excited about seeing run this year, it's definitely Alex. She's, she's just, I love her to bits. She's amazing. I mean, Alex, she has a smile every minute of a session. She will have time for everyone for advice or from, you know, tying your shoelace to, you know, big problems about, um, yeah, your even medical issues. She's (laughs) a doctor now. Yeah, yeah, she's amazing. And, um, yeah, Alex, she was in the year above me at Imperial, so um, very close to Alex and, you know, wishing her the very best for this competitive year. And now races are on the way. We um, will all be crossing our fingers for her to do really well. Um, So if you could have a conversation with anyone in the world from the past or the present, well, who would it be and what would you ask them? I thought a bit about this. I would say I would go Viv Richards and I would sit on a beach, have a beer and chat about West Indian cricket from the 70s and 80s. Um, I bet he's got some great stories to tell. Um, Crazy time back then. 
Yeah, I mean, for me, you know, that's kind of my era of growing up as a young kid, um, watching the West Indies team from the late 70s, early 80s was amazing. So, and, and Viv, Viv was the epitome of cool, I think, back then. So, um, yeah, having a beer with Viv would be pretty nice, I think. Yeah, and on a beach, in the sun. Yeah, it sounds like a great day. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. that'd be wonderful. Yeah, so finally, um, the Thames Valley community welcomes diverse range of individual, makes it feel like their home. Like, I don't even live in the UK, but every time I come back for exams or study, I'm always welcomed with open arms and just feel part of the group. Um, so although Thames Valley is a very nurturing community, is there any other place in the world that you love to run? Well, you're pretty close to it, I think, right now. Oh, really? <laughs> so I know you guys are in Greece and, and we've talked before about Greece. I love mm. Greece. So um, I first went to Greece in mid-80s on an interrail trip when I was probably Jazzy's age, I guess. Um, <laughs> and then I went back um, in 97 when they had the World Championships there. And that year, I've been training quite a lot with a woman called Michelle Pierre, who'd made the British relay team for those champs. And I, I'd, um, I tried to go get a ticket flight to to Athens, um, and they were so expensive, I decided not to go. So on the Saturday morning, the championship started, um, and I was sitting at home watching the hundred meters heats on TV, and I went into work in the afternoon. And I managed to find a flight that was really cheap for the oh. next morning. And I just booked it. Um, yeah. And Sunday evening, I was in the stadium watching the 100 meter final. It was wow. incredible. Amazing. Um, so I, before that, I went to the airport. I was had a little rucksack on my bag. I had nowhere to stay. So I'd only booked my flight the day before. And this woman in the checkout queue had this mountain of luggage with her. And she asked me, would you mind if we checked in together? Um, and this was before 9-11 and no one was really worried about these things. Uh, yeah, I, trust was a bit better. <laughs> yeah, so I said, yeah, no problem. So we checked in together. She, she saved hundreds of pounds on excess baggage. Mm. Um, and... We went off our separate ways in the airport. And then, of course, we sat next to each on the plane and yeah. got chatting. Um, and I um, said I had nowhere to stay. I ended up staying with her on the sofa. Um, and I've been going back, seeing her and her family, and kind of got a, Athens is like a second home to me now. I go back pretty much every year. Oh, that's so I, wonderful. Um, so I know all her friends now. I kind of get random Greek people coming to stay with me every now and again. So um, Greece would be my place to run. And I guess if you're going to run in Greece, I don't know if you guys have done it yet, but if you go back to Athens, running around the old Olympic Stadium in the centre oh. of Athens is a pretty yeah. cool thing to do. Just transport back in time, I imagine. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, we'll have to do that. If you're in yeah. Athens, what, in a couple of days, three days? A few days, yeah. Yeah. 
get, let's get, do it. Get to the Olympic <laughs> Stadium and have a little run round. It's it's a nice thing to do, and I think you can see the Acropolis from there and all that stuff. It's really nice. Oh, that sounds amazing. Yeah, we'll definitely have to do that. And yeah, take the advantage of being here. <laughs> Because we saw, because Athens does have that history of the Olympics, it has the ancient Olympics, of course, but then also the first modern Olympics and then the Olympics in 2004. So at least checking yeah. out a few of those historic places would definitely be, any of those would be incredible to even just jog around, right, yeah. Jess? <laughs> definitely. And interesting how the shape has changed as well. I don't know, this of is the track. Of the track, yeah. They're not as, I think the old ones were a lot narrower, am I right? Yeah, long and really tight bends, long straights and tight bends, wasn't it? Oof, wouldn't want to run <laughs> around that tight a bend. Yeah. But it's that history, all those years and the number of people that have run on those tracks. It's pretty insane to think about even, mm. but yeah. Yeah, it used to be years ago when I started going to Athens, you could just get on, get in there for free and wander around but I think you have to pay to get in now so I don't I don't do it anymore um, right. <laughs> but it's worth it I think to go yeah. in and I, I I went to the 2004 Olympics um, and that was, that, that was a really cool experience um, so I went with a friend of mine Steve McCourt who's another athlete that I trained with a lot um, and we managed to get these, you could buy tickets for a whole sport. So oh. we bought tickets for athletics and we had tickets for every session of the athletics. Um, mm. It was amazing. And we kind of got bored in the end and we, we stopped going <laughs> to some of the morning sessions. Wow. Um, Just went for the but, finals. Yeah, but we saw Kelly Holmes win a double gold. Oh, there. oh and wow. The, the British guys beating the Americans in the relay, that championship uh, yeah it was really cool really cool so Athens is a yeah it's it's, it's like my second home oh that's amazing yeah, yeah well, we'll definitely make the most of being here for a few days and uh, check out your recommendations definitely <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, well thank you so much for your time Dave and congratulations again for the recent success of the track I really look forward to getting back and running with you guys again <laughs> Yeah, it'd be great to see you. <laughs> yeah.